Like, okay, guys, now something you might have to deal with when you're a camp counselor is serial killers. So yeah. let's prepare for that. You might get caught in a snare. This is how to get out. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Franchise Frights Podcast. I'm Cam. I'm Andy. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, I just lost my Google Doc. Oh no! It's back. <laughs> All right, I'm good now. We're, we're experiencing some technical difficulties. This is the first time we've recorded with me not having paper notes. Yeah. And it, it's really thrown me for a loop. So, bear with us. Technology. Yes. I'm old. I can't handle this. You're doing good. What's been going on? I wanted to tell people I'm sorry about sound quality. Yes. On Halloween 2. We but... are we are working to improve it. I'm going to mess around with some settings in the post-production. It's all a learning curve. Yeah. we. Uh, I bought a new laptop, and we're recording through that now. And we used to record through my super old desktop. And it had a really, really good sound card. And Apparently. apparently this doesn't have a really good sound card. Yeah. So, yeah, we're just kind of stuck there. But I'm going to screw around with it. And hopefully this episode sounds a lot better than the Halloween 2 one. Yeah. Hopefully we don't cut out. Yeah. Sound like we're underwater and dying. Yeah, it sounded bad. Yeah. We'll get that fixed. Yeah. If uh, messing around with settings doesn't fix it, I'll buy an external sound card. We'll get it figured out. Uh, the holiday season is like super uh, in swing as this comes out. Super close. I went to the store today and I hate everyone. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. What, what, why is it that it hits like December 10th? And, and everybody people... turns into an asshole. Why? I don't get it. Like, There's no holiday spirit or cheer or happiness. No, everybody's just being a dick. Yeah. And it's great because I work in the service industry. Yeah, it's fun. No, it's not. So I want to give a happy solstice, a Merry Christmas, happy start of Kwanzaa, happy Boxing Day. Lots of holidays. Yeah. Do you have any horror movie news? I do. What is it? Patrick Wilson from The Conjuring and Insidious Uh is producing a stage musical of The Lost Boys. Oh my goodness. So excited. I mean, he did a song with Ghost. I know, and so, he can sing. Yeah. I mean, even if Insidious sucks now. Is, but... is he going to uh, sing Cry Little Sister in it? Oh, I can. one can only hope. Yeah. And then I wonder, will they get, um, what's his name, Juicy Jacks? Juicy Jacks. Juicy, Juicy Jacks to play the saxophone? I hope so. Um, Just a little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, we were watching Lost Boys one time, and we were all making fun of the saxophone player. And 
at the end of the movie, our son Nolan was probably, what, like 10? Yeah. And he was like, I still don't understand why they had to have that juicy Jax man in there. <laughs> and so the saxophone player from Lost Boys is just always juicy Jax now. Juicy Jax. All oiled up. My horror movie news. Did you have any more? You can tell yours. I have one more. Okay. Uh, Thanksgiving is already getting a sequel. Oh, I did see that. It's going to be out in 2025. Oh. So that's neat. Yeah. We haven't seen it yet. No. I'd like to see it sometime soon. I hear it's good. Yeah. I watched a trailer today for a movie called Founders Day. I've never heard of this. It's supposed to come out, I think, January 19th is what it said. It's like about a small town and they're celebrating like... Founders Day? Yes. Like they're sesquicentennial or something like that but a mass killer appears and he's wearing like a powdered wig oh and nice. a mask and then from what i could tell he kills people with a gavel oh that's fantastic <laughs> it looked okay like is it a major studio or like an indie or? i think it must be an indie well paint me intrigued yeah it, it looks good that's all i got for news I said that we watched Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, yeah. It was a good time. It it wasn't fantastic. I think it would have been a lot better if it had been rated R. Yes. Because there were kill scenes in it, but we didn't get to see anything. Mm-hmm. And I think like kind of that, I'm going to use a big word, that juxtaposition of like animatronic animals. Yeah. Killing someone in a very brutal way. It just would have been really fun. Uh-huh. But we didn't get that. No. And Mandy and I also watched Insidious, The Red Door, Mm. which was utterly pointless. Yeah. It was cool seeing the family together and seeing the kids grown up. But that was it. It did not need to be made. No. It did not further the series. Yeah. And I don't feel like anybody in that movie needed a paycheck. What about the kids? I mean, besides maybe the kids, but. (laughs) No, I think the adults were all doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I have for. Horror movie news. All right. You want to get into it? Sure. Do you want to do the facts and figures? You can. Okay. So the movie we're reviewing today is Friday the 13th Part 2. From 1981. I was just going to say that. Okay. (laughs) It was released May 1st, 1981. Its runtime is 81 minutes. It stars Amy Steele, John Fury. Fury? Fury? Fury. Uh, Kristen Baker, Kirsten Baker, I'm sorry to all the Kirstens out there. Kirsten. Stuart Charno, Marta Kober, Tom McBride, Bill Randolph, Lauren Marie Taylor, and Russell Todd. It was directed and produced by Steve Miner, written by Ron Kurtz. Cinematography by Peter Stein, music by Harry Manfredini. The production company was Georgetown Productions Incorporated distributed by Paramount Pictures. Its budget was $125 million or $4.2 million now. Uh, box office take was $21.7 million or $73 million now. So really not all that great. Mm, no. It has a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 32 and a 48% audience score. Woo, those are high numbers. But somehow the IMDb score is 6.1. Yeah, I don't understand that. That's on a 10 scale. Yeah. I don't understand. I feel like 
IMDb users are usually harsher on movies yeah. than Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like the uh, IMDb people are like the, Im- oh, I was going to say they're like the embittered Gen Xers. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. super nostalgic for them. So they're going to rate it higher. I get it. We have a Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus that says, sets the template for the franchise to follow with more teen victims, more gruesome set pieces, and fewer reasons to keep following along. Mm-hmm. They nailed it. The, yeah, that's the movie. So, Gary Arnold oh. from the Washington Post. Oh, respectable paper. Yeah. He said that director Steve Miner and writer Ron Curse introduced more potential victims than they have time or invention to knock off. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Uh, yep. <laughs> this was Roger Ebert's final review for a Friday the 13th movie. He said, a cross between the mad slasher and dead teenager genres, about two dozen movies a year feature a mad killer going berserk, and they're all about as bad as this one. Some have a little more plot, some have a little less. It doesn't matter. He gave it a half-star review and finished his review with, This review will suffice for the Friday the 13th film of your choice. I had that written down, too, because I loved it. He was just like, yeah, this movie sucks, and you know what? The rest of them are going to suck, too. Yeah, if they make more, then they're all going to get a half star as well. (laughs) That's all the critics' quotes I had. I couldn't find many on this, surprisingly. I I found a few, but I had to dig. Yeah. Uh, Terry Lawson of the Dayton Journal called it, exploitative and gratuitous, and a special effects freak show for an audience immune to violence. Uh, Jackie Tolley of the Arizona Daily Star said, Gross is a pretty good way to describe it. Scary, bloody, and violent come to mind, too. Also, very effective. I don't know if it's really... Yeah, there's a couple gross parts, I guess. I really don't find this movie that violent or gory. It's just cheesy. Yeah. You forgot to crack into your beer. Well, I don't do that till the plot rundown. Oh. Do you not know how this works? I thought you did it when we first started talking. So what were your initial impressions? I don't think you'd seen this I, one that's before. That's what I said. I don't think I'd seen this one um, pretty much because I don't care for Jason or the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. Um, because there's just like absolutely no plot to the movies. It's just killing. And boobs. And boobs. And then I said, I don't have high hopes. <laughs> that's that's fair it was fair um i said not a great movie you can pretty much skip it unless you're like at a sleepover or having a marathon yeah uh jason makes his first appearance but i don't like the baghead deformed face mountain man jason mm-hmm. i can't understand why most of the characters are in the movie <laughs> and i can't stand most of the characters in the movie yeah. uh there's no real storyline no but it is a typical Friday the 13th movie, so... Yeah. I'll watch it. Is what it is. Yeah. All right, so we open with a kid, and he's, like... We just see his feet, pretty much, like, walking down the street. Very dirty Adidas tennis shoes. Yeah, he's splashing in puddles, he's singing a song. And then we hear his mom yell at him that he needs to get in the house right now. Uh, when he turns to go home, there's a sharp stinger, and then we see a grown man's foot splash into a puddle following the kid and then we get some yeah i put what's her face from the first movies having a nightmare and she sounds like she's just orgasming yeah 
which conveniently for us is the end of the previous movie. Yeah, like the last 12 minutes of the previous movie. But they show us half of the first movie. Like, really, this movie is less than 90 minutes, and they spend over seven minutes replaying the previous movie. Yeah. If you've never seen the first movie, I'd say you're okay just to watch the second one. Yeah. Because you get this nice condensed version yes. of the first movie. Yeah. I just keep calling her What's-Her-Face because I couldn't remember. <laughs> it's Alice. It's Alice, I know. Alice sits straight up and wakes with a start. It was a good jump scare. It was. Her phone rings and it's her mother checking in on her. You can tell that she's concerned about Alice, but Alice is kind of a bitch to her mom and tell her that she just has to put her life back together. This is the only way I know how to do it. Yes. And her acting is terrible here. It is. Like eighth grade play bad acting. I'd go sixth. Okay. But I noted that her living room is super cute. It has lots of plants. It does. I actually made a note that she has many plants. Yes. Watching all of these, it's funny because like I told you, stuff from the early 80s is what's like popular in home decor right now. Oh, yeah. Minus all the flowery print. Mm-hmm. And all those like ugly wall art things that were made out of like bent metal. Oh, no. Those are popular, too. Really? Yeah, I think so. Ew. So Alice walks into her kitchen to admire her sketches before entering her bedroom. And then undressing. <laughs> she just tosses your clothes on her bed and you're like, we're going to get some boobies. <laughs> Put the, this is not a set. This is someone's janky old house. The paint on the walls is scuffed. The trim isn't per- perfect. It's like they just rented someone's house. They just Airbnb'd it. Yeah. And then they were like, we're going to film a movie. Oh, it's like X. Except not porn. Yeah. Camera pans to the bathroom and zooms up to the shower curtain like it's supposed to be Jason's point of view. But then the shower curtain rips open and it's just Alice getting done with her shower. In like 14 seconds. She doesn't have, her hair's short. She doesn't have to take a long shower. How long does it take you to wash your body? I don't. Like when you're in the shower, how long do you think you actually spend being productive if you're not washing your hair? A minute. Really? I'm a scrubber. I mean, I wash it. But I scrub. Really? Like, if I'm in the shower for 10 minutes, I bet, like, a good six of that is me, like, trying to rip my skin off with a washcloth. Oh, you need a loofah. Maybe. I don't know. I think I just, like, I just like the feeling of rubbing my own flesh. You like exfoliation. I do. You should exfoliate. I think I do. (laughs) (laughs) So Alice's phone rings again, and she's clearly annoyed thinking that it's mom. So she answers it. Mom, come on, mom, stop calling me. There's no one on the line. And this immediately makes Alice feel paranoid as shit. She checks her bedroom and she does, or as she does, there's a noise from the kitchen. The window was open and a breeze knocked something over, but we don't know what. Okay, so I made a note here. She goes and locks the front door. Uh-huh. If you're this traumatized and you're like so worried about somebody coming to kill you yeah would you not already lock the door yes i like door would be locked you know as, soon I, as I walked in i lock the door anytime i'm home alone yeah i don't lock the door when i leave the house I lock, well, yeah i lock the door when i'm in the house ah uh, small town living oh makes perfect sense doesn't it alice grabs a knife or maybe a letter opener i think it's or an, an ice, ice pick. pick i said i'm not really sure what it was 
and there's a watermelon on top of her fridge. Why? Why is there? What, what, no. Get on the counter at least. Don't put heavy things on top of the fridge. No. So she walks towards her window just as a cat is jumping through. And I said that this jump actually did scare me. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. But yeah. It's frightening. And it's an ugly cat. Uh, Alice opens her fridge to get the cat some food. And inside she finds a severed head. I think it's supposed to be Mrs. V's head. I think so. But I think maybe they didn't want to pay her for likeness rights. The end, not to like ruin the ending, but the spoilers looks like her head at the end. Yeah. So why doesn't it look like her head in the fridge? I don't know. Hmm. Movie magic. It, yeah. Uh, Alice screams as two hands come up from behind her and a knife or a screwdriver or something is stabbed into Alice's head. But I think it was a nice pick. I think so. Yes. Alice dies. She dies. Yeah. Her cat seems alarmed, and then her tea kettle starts whistling. And then a dirty-ass hand moves the kettle from the burner. It was nice of the killer to take that off the heat, though. Yes. It was a dirty, dirty hand. Then we get Friday the 13th. It explodes. Part two. Part two. And then I put, oh, we're only 13 minutes in. We've got a long way to go. Uh, so now that we have an hour and 13 minutes left, let's meet some new blood. Jeff and Sandra are driving in Jeff's small penis truck looking for the camp. I like his truck. It's a small penis truck. Whatever. <laughs> they pull up to a gas station and park, running across the street to use a phone. They look so excited to go use that phone. Yes. Ralph spots them. I read in production facts that that was like a fake phone booth that they set up. And there were two girls passing by that just happened, like, didn't know they were filming a movie and were trying to use the payphone. Oh. And got mad. Well, I mean, that had pissed me off. So they're getting ready to call Ted. And Sandra watches Jeff dial the phone like he's doing a magic trick. <laughs> She's like watching him like, whoa. It, he has Ted's number memorized. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So a tow truck pulls up to Jeff's truck. As he rather exuberantly talks to Teddy Buddy. So now Ralph comes up and tells him they're doomed and he rides away on his bike. Then they get directions and Sandra notices that the truck is being towed. They chase it down the or uh, they chase down the tow truck and Jeff yells at the driver a lot and he's like, this is my truck. So they chase it around a corner and we get to meet Ted and he's wearing some sweet shorts and a nice shirt that looks like a tablecloth. The towing was all just a prank. Ha ha ha. He knows the gas station manager. Oh, that Ted. He's such a cut up. So Ted tells him, this is going to be just like old times. Was that a good Ted impression? It was because I can't understand half of what Ted said throughout the movie. Oh, so you don't know if it was a good impression or not? No. You couldn't understand what I said? Yeah. Oh. So now they drive to the camp and Ted fills them in on some storyline. We find out that Paul runs a course that they are attending. He takes the whole thing very seriously. He tells him that he's an assistant at the camp, and he's very proud of that. Well, he should be. Then he tells a joke, and they have to stop to pull a felled tree limb out, out of the road. And Sandra says, this place is spooky. And then she just walks into the woods by herself. Thank you. This place is spooky, 
let me go be alone where people get murdered. Yes. Into the woods. The woods are bad. Stay out of the woods. Yeah. So now we get a POV shot from the killer. Well, at least we assume that's who it is. Yeah. Otherwise, there's another creeper standing in the woods. Sandra picks up a random piece of wood off the ground, and we find that it's the old Camp Crystal Lake sign. Ted tells them that the camp was called Camp Blood, and it's on the same lake that they're staying on. Jeff and Sandra want to hear more, but he tells them no, not before lunch. I think he's just spooked and trying to get out of there. Ah. So now the killer lowers a branch and he watches them drive away. It's all very intense. So now we're at the camp, and a blonde, swoopy-haired man is ringing a bell, and it makes the people assemble. So he's like the head Avenger. I, when the people assemble, I'm like it looks like a commercial for like the '80s. The '80s, but also um, I don't want to say affirmative action, but like we represent all people. Yeah, and. It's funny because I think I wrote that in here in a couple of bullets. Uh-huh. I was like, you know what? We're actually representing some people yes, here. Like they, they did a good job. But like when they're all rushing out, it just feels like a Gap commercial or something. <laughs> so we already know three of them, but we need to meet a few more now. So one of them is in a wheelchair. And as he's going down the hill, a helpful young lady comes out and tries to give him some assistance. He says he can handle it on his own, but he doesn't say it in a dick way. Yeah. He's not like, unhand my chair, I can do it on my own. He was like, no, hey, you know what, I can do it. So in the woods, barely dressed young woman in a short crop top and super short shorts. Those aren't shorts. Uh, they're like a, like a Kleenex. I, half of her ass cheeks hanging out. She comes bounding through with her little doggo. And she, did you notice she had abs for days? Yeah, she's fit. She had a lot of abs. So we get a creeper hand lowering a branch. And then we get a shot of her butt cheeks hanging out of her shorts. Then we see the creeper's other hand, and it holds up a slingshot. He takes aim, and he shoots a rock at the young lady's butt. She turns around, grabbing her bum, and he gives her a really, really stalkery wink. Mm-hmm. And, but she seems disarmed by it. She kind of likes it. She's like, <laughs> you shot me in the butt, you crazy creep. Yes. Yeah, a little uncomfortable. So now everyone's assembled outside the main lodge of the camp, and it's time to put some names to faces. The man in charge explains this is his new camp counselor training center. Then he tells us they've all been counselors before, so why are they at a new counselor training facility? Do they just train them here? Like, no campers ever stay here? No, this is just training. This is probably how you get your certification. Then you can go work somewhere else? Yeah. Oh, okay. Feels like they should do that earlier in the season. We don't know what, what when it is. Oh, okay. He says they've all been counselors before. Terry is the barely clothed dog mom. Vicky is the helpful young lady who lent a hand to the man in the wheelchair. You know, they were upstate last summer. Mm. Scott is the creeper with the slingshot. Mark is the man in the wheelchair. And no one else is important to the plot, so they do not receive names. Yeah, I didn't even pay attention to the people's names. You never do. Sometimes. So now we cut to the road to the camp. Ralph is toddling away on his bike and a VW bug comes up behind him. He moves out of the way and the bug misfires because it's the Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. Ralph looks after the car with a very noncommittal look and it just stays on his face for a long time. Is he just like... I don't think he has a lot of brains in his head. I don't think he has a lot of looks in his face. 
Back at the lodge, the man in charge says they're going to get back to basics for the next two weeks. Survival, first aid, boating, archery, rifle ranges. And then the shitbox bug pulls in. There's an attractive blonde woman driving it. Headman pulls her into the office to admonish her for being late. Her name is Jenny. I don't like that name. No, but she's very pretty. She is very pretty. She apologizes for being late and says her car is sick. She tried calling, but your phones aren't even working yet. Oh. So we've established that plot We point. have. You skipped over the fact that Paul warns them all about bears. Oh, yes. And he tells them, you know, the basic bear things, like keep your food in places. Food odors cling to clothing. Yes, and- keep clean. And then he has to bring up menstruation cycles. Yeah. Ladies, uh, keep clean on your menstruation cycle. Mind your own fucking business, Paul. <laughs> He's trying to protect them from bears. Oh, okay. He doesn't want their their womanhood. I just thought that was very weird. Well, you know, if a bear goes and attacks Vicky and he's standing next to her, he might die too. So, yeah, there's a lot at stake for Paul here. Okay. (laughs) So now is when Jenny tells us that the head man's name is Paul. Paul puts his arm around Jenny and they kiss. Ooh. She's not just working for him. She's working for him. Oh, yeah. So outside, Jenny gets back into her car and Paul nags her in front of the rest of the crowd before giving his safety speech. Oh, this is when he gives oh, a speech. This is, yep, sorry, I got jumped ahead. He tells the counselors that there are bears in the country. So, you know, we already covered all this. Yeah. He also says that women shouldn't wear perfume. So can the guys wear cologne or aftershave? Because he doesn't mention that. That's different. Bears know the different smells. <laughs> oh, and I said, uh, the ladies need to keep their downstairs tidy during their icky times. Refer to it as icky times. Why? That's what he's implying. No. This is from the viewpoint of swoopy hair. Oh, okay. So Jenny's car won't start because it's a VW. Paul comes over to help with the car and reveals that Jenny is a child psychology major. So now we know something else about her. Yeah. She fires up the car and it blows exhaust right in his face. So we cut to that night. Everyone's around the campfire. They're roasting some marshmallows. And Paul gives him the lowdown on Jason. According to the old timers in town, he's still in the woods near the camp, living off the land, stealing what he needs to survive. He tells them about the slaughter at Camp Blood. Jason's on a revenge mission for his mama. The counselors are starting to get spooked. Yeah, it's a scary story. People are pulling their coats a little tighter. They're snuggling up. So Paul reveals that it's been five years since the Camp Blood night. He finishes his story, and then Ted pops out in a spooky mask and a loincloth made out of some animal pelts. Mm -hmm. And he has a spear, and he scares the bejesus out of everybody but Jenny. Yeah, everybody takes off running. So Paul tells them all that, hey, Jason's not out there. He drowned. But Camp Crystal Lake is off limits. Yes. And now Jenny nags his ghost story. She's like, yeah, second act needs work. And then she just walks away. Jenny gets back to her cabin. She's getting ready for bed. She hears a knock at the door. She's spooked because they've just been outside and they're telling scary stories. She opens the door and doesn't see anyone. And then Paul jumps out and grabs her. Oh, can I backtrack for a minute? Yes. You skipped the lodge scene. And I wanted to talk about this creepy scout in the lodge. Sorry, I don't know why I did. I have it here. I just skipped down. You can go back to the lodge. It's fine. Oh, no. I just wanted to talk about the lodge scene. Oh, (laughs) okay. 
Sorry. I'll edit that. Inside the lodge, the counselors are hanging out. They're playing chess. Some of them are arm wrestling. Some of them are dancing. Jeff and Sandra are playing grab ass. Yeah. There's a dog. Like, literally, Sandra runs up and grabs Jeff's butt, and then he chases her. Yes. So Scott asked Terry to dance, and then she shoots him down. So then he asked the dog to dance, and then he just picks up her dog and starts, like, being creepy with it. He's showing what a good dancer he is. I think Scott's just really weird. <laughs> yes. Uh, when Jeff and Sandra are dancing, Sandra tells him that she just has to see Camp Blood. I just have to. Yes. So now is when we go back to Jenny's cabin. Paul jumps out and grabs her. And then they start making out. And there's super gross noises. There's a lot of peanut butter sandwich sounds going on. Yes. And she tells him that she needs to tell him something. But we don't get that something. No, and I was like, is she pregnant? Yeah. Like. Did she kill somebody? I, I don't know. But outside, we see crazy old Ralph. He's leaning against a tree and just watching the couple make out. And then from behind him, we see hands come around and they garrot Ralph. Poor Ralph. Oh, Ralph's dead. They garrot him with barbed wire. Yeah, too. that's horrible. So now Ralph's dead. The next morning, Jenny wakes up. And beware of bears is written on her mirror. So, so does that mean she was menstruating? I don't know. That's I put. So this is I'm supposed to assume she's on her period. Is that what she needed to tell him? I think so. Like, like, hey, before we get down to business, I just want to let you know you're in danger of a bear attack tonight. Why are they adding this into the movie? It humanizes her. It's weird. Maybe Steve Miner just really has a thing about menstruation. Maybe. Uh, Jenny leads the group on a run. And most of them are running, not all of them. Well, I think Ted and the wheelchair guy aren't. Well, the wheelchair guy can't run. Oh, that's true. Mandy, you're so ableist. <laughs> and then Paul has to mansplain about poison ivy. Yeah. So now Jenny gets a weird vibe and she kind of looks around the woods. We see a shot of Terry's doggo as it wanders up to the big booted killer feet and then it cuts a sh cuts to a shot of hot dogs on the grill yeah that was clever so terry's looking around for her dog which is named muffin who names their dog muffin stupid people uh terry has no facial expressions or vocal expression no and Ginny goes to put away a chainsaw and she feels someone watching her we see her through the pov camera in the trees and now it's swim time for the counselors. Do you think it was weird she was using a chainsaw while they're all trying to eat lunch? No, because she was preparing the wood for oh, the fire. I know, but the fire was already going. Yeah, you're only cooking hot dogs. And th there's no other place for you to, like, saw up the wood? Maybe she was teaching them how to use the chainsaw. Oh, okay. It's a training facility. <laughs> so all the counselors are swimming. Everybody's having a good time. Yeah. But... Sandra's not. No. She has to go see Camp Blood. Yes. So while the other counselors are having fun, Jeff and Sandra just sneak off. They're wandering through the woods. We can see the killer's legs following. Mm -hmm. This is something we get to see a lot is the killer's legs. It's just the legs. Uh, they find a no trespassing sign near the old camp and they go in. The killer POV is watching them. And then we get to see his legs again. They find a dead something on the ground and it really seems to be muffin the dog it does seem to be muffin 
So while they're checking out the carcass, a horrible acting cop bursts through the bushes and busts them for trespassing. Back in Paul's office, the cop threatens to get a warrant against Paul because two people that he has no control over trespassed somewhere. Well, yeah, that's how laws work. And he thinks that people being at the counselor training center is going to make some shit go down again. Yes. So the cop. It's been quiet for five years. That's the way we want to keep it. So the cop tells him that he needs to punish the trespassers, and Paul jokes that Jeff and Sandra will get no seconds on dessert tonight. So Jeff and Sandra are now walking to the beach. They debate on whether or not they should tell Terry that they found a dog carcass in the woods. Yeah. And they're like, eh, no, we shouldn't. Let's just go swim. Yeah. So now the cop's driving away from the camp, and he sees something in the woods. He goes to chase after the person he saw. He gallops very slowly through the woods. Like, literally galloping. He, he runs like a child. Yeah. He, and, you know, he's galloping after the killer's legs, because we get to see the killer's legs. Well, yeah, because the killer's legs are, like, ahead of him, and he's chasing after the killer legs. So he stumbles into trees, and he shows us that he's out of, bre- out of breath. Yeah. Like, he stops and makes a big production. Yeah. So this scene goes on way too long. Exactly. And it ends with a cop finding a cobbled together little shed that looks like it was made out of like old doors and some tin roofing, Mm -hmm. some scrap plywood. Cop man just walks right inside like he owns the place. Without announcing himself or knocking. Yeah, because he saw some legs. Yeah. Uh, The little hovel sucks just as much on the inside as it does on the outside. And for some reason, there's a high chair in the corner. Oh, Uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, there's a high chair in one of the corners. I didn't like that. So Cop Man pokes around, and he gets fake scared by some falling debris. And then he opens a door in the shack, and we see his feet with the killer's feet right behind him. The Cop Man says, oh my god, at whatever he's discovered, but we don't get to see it. No, we only get to see feet. And then we see the killer bury the claw end of a hammer in a cop's head. And he grunts and groans and dies. That's the second movie in a row we've seen a claw hammer into the skull. Oh, yeah. Pretty weird. Ew. It's not good. Maybe it's an electric boogaloo thing, because these are all part two. Maybe. Back at camp, everyone's out on the porch, and they're enjoying dinner. Paul says that tonight is their last night, kind of, to cut loose. Yeah, because we're going to get real serious with it tomorrow. Yeah. He says that they're all going to go out on the town, and they're going to go to a bar. He volunteers Jeff and Sander to stay behind and watch the camp. Because they were naughty. They were naughty. Terry says she's going to stay too in case Muffin shows up. Terry's wearing a shirt that barely covers her tits. She likes to wear those things. She can't put her arms up. Oh no, if she puts her arms up, everybody gets a show. Yeah, it's, it's not a shirt. Um, a couple others announce that they're staying too. The rest of the group pile into... Jenny's bug and Jeff's truck and then they take off for the bar and then everybody else that stayed behind goes into the lodge except for Terry she's gonna go for a walk we see a shadow following her and a creeping by it might be Jason so Terry's alone in the woods looking for a dog and then she decides to suddenly strip down and go skinny dipping <laughs> why not I noticed, she checks to see if she's alone first. Yeah, I noticed this. Notice. Blah, 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 blah. I noted 
that she's really fucking skinny. Yeah. I can see her ribs and her spine. She jazzercised way too much. Oh, no. So she just kind of gradually walks into the lake before swimming away. Back at the lodge, Jeff and I put Scooter because that's what he calls him, but that's not his name. It's Mark, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, arm or arm wrestling. Sandra tells Jeff she wants to wrestle too. So she wants to bone. So they leave to go do it. Uh, Mark and the girl he's sweet on start to play some of Ted's electronic video games. Mm-hmm. They're pretty fancy. And what she want to play for? What's the winner get? I don't know. Position. Position? Like, who's on top? Oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, no, because uh, she's like, oh, you want to play? And Mark's, what are we playing for? Yeah. And she leans on the table all seductively and goes, position. Oh. Hmm, I have questions. So she just, like, opened up with, we're going to do it tonight. But we're going to play some video games first. Well, yeah. You know, that actually kind of sounds like a perfect date. Like, hey, you're going to get laid later, but first let's play some chill. Yeah. So they did. They had hockey and football. I think football, yeah. When we cut back to Terry swimming, we can see that at the shorelines, there's hands picking up her clothing. They're way too clean to be Jason's. Yeah, those aren't Jason hands. They're not caked in murder. Yeah. Uh, she gets out of the water and she sees that Scott, the creepy guy that's sweet on her. He's very nice eyes, though. Yeah. Is the one who has taken her clothes. So she he runs and she chases after. And as he's running, he gets caught up in a snare and then is hung upside down from a tree by his ankle. <laughs> it, I wrote that it's a Looney Tunes style rope trap snare. <laughs> So she threatens to leave him hang unless he starts or unless he cuts all the crap. Apparently, she doesn't like all the teasing and flirting that's going on. And the stealing of the clothes and the shooting in the butt with a slingshot. Yeah. Terry runs off and tells them that she's going to grab a knife or something to cut him down with. So we see Scott just hanging in the woods by himself. And I like that as soon as he like gets snared, he's like, goddamn Paul with his wilderness bullshit. What was he trying to catch? A bear? Um, do you really think that he thought that Paul was enough of a sociopath to rig up these traps around the camp so that they could learn how to survive in the wilderness in case there was a fucking serial killer out there? <laughs> like, okay, guys, now something you might have to deal with when you're a camp counselor is serial killers. So yeah. let's prepare for that. You might get caught in a snare. This is how to get out. <laughs> He's just hanging out in the woods. And then we see Jason approach him. And he slits his throat with a machete, which is the first time we get to see Jason use a machete. Mm-hmm. Pretty rad. It's pretty cool. Terry back at her cabin. She enters it, and her lights won't turn on. She starts searching for something sharp. And then while she's searching the closet, a bag appears to fall out of the sky. I think it was supposed to fall out of her closet, but it looks like it just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but I did notice that the bag fell. Yes. She digs through it and finds a swift saw. A swift saw? Swiss army knife. I didn't know what you were trying to say. She finds a swiffer saw. (laughs) It cleans and kills. So she runs back to Scott and she's all like, well, I got something sharp. I'm going to cut you down. 
But if he ever tries anything like this again, she's going to kill him. And he doesn't respond. So she kind of turns his body around. And then she sees that he's dead and covered in blood. Yeah, that's not a good way to find someone. So she screams. And then she turns around right into the killer. Yes. And we don't get to see how she dies. No. So now we cut to the bar where the rest of the counselors are hanging out. And did you notice when they pull into the parking lot that there's just like a hand-painted sign above the front door that says casino? No. And like, I don't think it's a casino. (laughs) It just looks like a bar and grill in a small town. Maybe they have like one slot machine. Oh, maybe. But there are lots of cowboy hats and lots of Budweiser. And there's a bluesy rock band playing. Ted is drunk. He looks like he's had about 10 beers. Yeah. He has this whole collection of beer bottles sitting in front of him, and he does not want the server to clear it. Mm-mm. Jenny has a beer. She's just nursing it. Paul's a douche. Uh, Ted brings up the idiocy of Sandra and Jeff being brought in by the cop for going to Camp Blood. And Jenny uses her child psychology learnings to speculate on what Jason would be like today if he were still alive. She posits... He must have seen his mother killed and wonders what that would do to him. And she even drops the R word here. Yeah. She's like, what would he be like? Some frightened R word? Yeah. It was the 80s. Yeah. You know, back when you could actually say what you thought. Well, yeah. Uh, (laughs) And she also speculates that he could be like a child trapped in a man's body. And somehow... She knows that he has no friends and that he never went to school and the only person he knew was his mother. She just knows the backstory of Jason. Yeah. Um, I don't know where she got all of it. I, uh, I think she's jumping to a lot of conclusions. But she says that he must be out there right now praying for his mother's resurrection. And Ted and Paul completely disregard her theories and they're just like, yeah, you're drunk. You're drunk and you're just babbling on. So they order more drinks, but Jenny doesn't want one. And she brings up her thoughts on Jason again. And Paul tells her in very bad acting style, Jason's a legend, Jenny. A legend. But not like a legend. No. He's like a Sasquatch. Yeah. So now we cut back to the camp and the killer is watching Sandra. Oh, no, 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 no. This is where I have lots of thoughts. Oh, okay. If Mrs. V was avenging Jason's death... Then how could Jason see the whole thing happen when she died? Maybe she didn't stick around to see if he was actually dead and he just walked out of the water and was like, Mommy, where'd you go? And then he just built a hut in the woods. And and if he wasn't dead, that weak-ass little boy isn't going to survive by himself in the woods. No. 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 Really just not a good plot here. No. Okay, you can move on. (laughs) So now we cut back to the camp and the killer's watching Sandra and Jeff make out through a window. She leads him upstairs while Mark and Vicky continue playing their video games. And she asks how Mark ended up in the wheelchair and he tells her that it was a motorcycle accident, but he doesn't intend to be in this chair forever. And she asks, is it just your legs that are paralyzed and nothing else? And he tells her, oh, I manage. And she seems to be very happy knowing that he can bang. Yes. So Vicky pulls out a joint, asks Mark if he wants to partake, and he tells her that he's in training. He takes his counseling very seriously. Is that what he's in training for? Well, yeah, he's at a training facility to be the best counselor money can buy. Okay. So 
Upstairs, Jeff's playing harmonica and Sandra dives on him. They start making out and stripping and downstairs, Vicky has apparently won the game and she kisses Mark and they agree that they're going to stay together tonight. Ooh. So she goes to freshen up in her cabin as a thunderstorm starts. Oh, that's never a good sign. Nope. If you were at a creepy ass camp in the middle of the woods, right by Camp Blood, and there's a thunderstorm, you're screwed. Just lock yourself in a basement. So Vicky goes into her cabin and discovers that the lights don't work, and she curses Terry for being a turkey. Why is it Terry's fault the lights don't work? I don't know. Because she doesn't know how to wear a shirt? Yeah. <laughs> so now Vicky selects some sexy underwear for her little rendezvous. She puts on the good panties. She does. And she sprays a shitload of perfume on herself. Yes. She puts it on the wrist. She dabs it on her neck. She puts it in her cleavage. And then she even sprays some in the downstairs. That would burn. Don't spray things in your downstairs area. No. that's There's a lot of nerve endings down there. Yeah. Outside, her shutter starts to blow in the wind. So she goes outside to fix it in just her sweater and her undies. The killer is watching. She runs out to her car for her toothbrush. And the camera focuses on her bum for a long time. Is that what she grabbed in the car? Because I couldn't tell yeah. what she grabbed. I was like, it looked like a sausage. <laughs> I can't bang without my sausage fix. I guess I put a meat stick. I thought it was like a Slim Jim. <laughs> she goes and starts making out with Mark. And he's like, do you eat a Slim Jim and not bring me one? Why are you so beefy? <laughs> Just what every woman wants to hear. Oh, baby, you're so beefy. So back in the lodge, Mark is waiting for Vicky to come back as the rain really starts coming down. He's sitting on the porch, looking concerned for some reason, mm -hmm. and the camera slowly zooms in on his back. Then he gets a machete to the face, and the force of the blow sends his wheelchair flying backwards down the lodge steps and then down the steps that lead to the lake, and the shot whites out in freeze frames just as he gets to the camera. This might be my favorite shot ever. Oh, this is definitely the best shot in the movie. Because, like, it's a good kill with the machete to the face, but it's also hilarious. It's very hilarious. Like, <laughs> I just wish that there was a sound effect as he was going down the stairs. You know, like Zach Braff when he would fall in scrubs and he'd do that. Yeah. I just wish that that was going the whole time he was plopping down the stairs. <laughs> I, I like that it just flashed to white, too. Like, they knew that that was, like... That's the one. That was their good kill. Cut it. Print it. Sandra and Jeff finish up their sexy time. So downstairs, we see someone enter into the lodge. Score picks up, and we hear the... Whatever. Kiki, ma, ma, ma. Kiki, down in Kokomo. So we kind of assume that it's Jason or the killer, whoever we want it to be. Person grabs the mask that Ted was wearing earlier and then takes the spear from underneath it. And then slowly he creeps up the stairs. We just see feet again. He's got killer feet. Well, yeah. So he enters the room where the young couple are just cuddling and kissing post-sex. Post-coital. Oh, that's a fancy word. I know. So Jason uses the spear and just stabs it through both of their bodies. And, you know, when he's raising the spear and Sandra sees him, you're like, this is going to be so badass. And then they cut away. Yep. And all you see is the spear hit the floor underneath the bed. Yes. Which was super disappointing. Yeah. But it's still a pretty cool kill. Yeah. And I think that 
it does let your mind kind of fill in the blank. Yes. You know, there's blood on the spear and it kind of digs into the floor a little like when bit. When you think back on it, you f- I feel like I can picture him putting it through them, even though I didn't see him put it through them. Yeah. So it worked. It did, it did its thing. Right after Jeff put it through Sandra. <laughs> you don't get to make no more sexy comments from you. Why? That's funny. It's not. Sex jokes are funny. Back at the, par- the bar, Paul and Ginny decide they're going to head back to camp. So they run through the downpouring rain to get to her beetle. They both hope that it's going to start. Probably not the car you should have taken. No. But it does start, and so they pull away. But first, they wipe off condensation from the inside of the windshield. Which is your pet peeve. You're just making it worse. Uh, Ted is talking to some people, and he's trying to find an after-hour party. Ted's not done partying yet. And I like that the guy that he asks is like a 63-year-old man in a leisure suit. Yes. And he's like, got any after-hours places? And the guy goes, sure do. <laughs> Vicky returns to the lodge. She's looking for Mark. She fir- searches and is trying to find anyone at this point. So she enters the room that Jeff and Sandra were in. And it appears that they're sleeping, so she approaches them. And then as she gets close... Jason throws the sheet off to reveal <laughs> I thought he was wearing a pillowcase on his head. I think it's like a flower sack. I think, yeah, it's like a burlap sack. But when they first showed him, I was like, he just took a pillowcase off that pillow and put it <laughs> on his head. So he just, he jumps out and scares her pretty much. And then he slashes her leg. And then she turns around to run. But she sees Jeff, who is strung up with a bed sheet. And then she just stands there and screams forever. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, the killer is approaching her <laughs> with a knife held out. He's not coming fast. Oh. And she just stands there and screams. She had plenty of time to run. Yeah. But she's just like, well, he already killed these two people. I'm fucked. So Jason stabs her in kind of the gut area and blood starts to come out of her mouth. It's not a good sign. No. You think it, have you ever thought, well, this is the first time you've seen it, so I guess you haven't. But he only has one eye hole cut in that bag. <laughs> His depth perception has to be for shit. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm surprised he made it up those stairs. But maybe because he has, like, whatever his deformity is. I can't think of what the name of it right now. Oh, yeah. I guess maybe he couldn't so see maybe through he that was other eye. blind through that other eye, and so that's just how he... He only needs one eye hole. Yeah, he just goes through the world that way. Paul and Ginny arrive back at the camp. It's still driving rain. And inside the lodge, we see a body being drugged down the stairs. When Ginny and Paul enter the lodge, they're concerned that all the lights are off. Lights are off. Ginny checks upstairs and finds a bed covered in blood. She screams for Paul. He enters, but he doesn't seem very concerned. No. And I like when he's downstairs by himself and he picks up Vicky's joint. Yeah. And he just smells it and he goes, God, these kids smoke better grass than I do. But he thinks pretty much that the kids are just like. They're playing a prank. Playing a joke on them. So they go back downstairs and discuss going out to look for the kids. The living room is still very dark. And while they're walking through it, Ginny is convinced that there's somebody else in the room with them. She keeps telling Paul, there's somebody here. Yeah. And when she says, there's someone in this room, 
like the first time I watched this movie was like at a sleepover. Uh-huh. And I think there were five of us and we're all just like laying in sleeping bags around the living room. Yeah. And when she's like, Paul, there's someone in this room. I was like, I don't want to let my friends know that I'm creeped out because I'm an 11 year old boy and that doesn't look good. But I'm creeped out. But wow, she said that. Now I really feel like there's somebody in this room. Yeah. So suddenly Jason appears out of the dark. I said he still has a pillowcase on his head, but it's not a pillowcase. I also like that when he pops out, instead of saying like, look out uh-huh. or Paul, oh, there's a killer. She goes, oh, there's someone in this fucking room. <laughs> Ginny and, or now, Paul and Jason start to wrestle around. Ginny does nothing to help Paul other than repeat his name over and over again. Yeah. I, I said, Ginny says Paul lots of times yes. and backs herself into a corner. Uh, Jason runs or stands up as the victor and Ginny runs into the next room and slams the door shut. When she's convinced that it's safe, she releases the doorknob to reach for an open window. And then Jason appears in the window and attacks her with a hatchet. She runs to the kitchen and locks the door behind her. And then the doorknob starts to gently rattle. And then it becomes more aggressive. And then a pitchfork impales the door. What I like is that she went over and she like opened that window in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, I could climb out of here. Yes. Oh, that doorknob's rattling. I should go stand by the door that I know the killer is behind instead of escaping out the window. Yes. A perfectly good escape route. Girls in the 80s, they didn't know. This is what people who wipe condensation off the inside of their windows do. Ginny tries to run into the pantry, but dead Ralph falls out onto her. Uh, So now she finally decides to go out that window. Outside, she goes to her car, but it's a piece of shit VW and it won't start. So Jason pops up outside her window, and then he kind of runs off. And then uh, she's looking around for him. And he just starts plunging the pitchfork through a convertible top. Mm -hmm. And he reaches in for her and he waggles his hand all around really clumsily and stupidly. He's just trying to grab anything. And she gets out and runs off hiding in some bushes. Jason finds her and she boots him right in the wedding tackle. Mm -hmm. Like she went place kicker on him. Yeah, that didn't feel good. Now Jenny runs off and she tries to get in Vicky's car, but it's locked. Jason runs by looking for her, but she stays hidden. And he goes the other way. She takes off running again, and then Jason jumps out of some bushes ahead of her. How does he do that? He's magic. He hits his head on the ground and then shakes his head like a dog for a second. Like a cartoon. You gotta cobwebs out. And this gives Jenny some time to go hide behind a tree. (laughs) Jason runs past her, and she pulls the smart move. She doubles back. Mm -hmm. Now we get a shot of the full moon that cuts into Ginny running, and then the moon again, and then Jason running. I really liked that. There's just a lot of running. Yeah. And now Jason steps into Ginny's cabin, and he surveys it pretty well. Mm -hmm. Ginny's hiding under the bed, and she's doing a really good job of being quiet. She's not doing that loud breathing thing. She's doing good. I really like Ginny as a survivor girl. Mm -hmm. I don't like Ginny as a character. Yes. So she's doing such a good job of being quiet. And then a rat comes along and gets right in her face. Mm. And this makes her pee herself. Does she pee herself or does the rat pee? I think she peed herself. Okay. We hear the door open and shut. And Jenny decides it's safe to come out. 
it was not safe to come out because Jason is standing on an old rickety chair waiting for her. <laughs> she screams, the chair gives way under his weight, and he crashes to the floor, and it breaks his pitchfork. Aww. Now she's breaking his toys. That's not fun. So Jenny runs back out into the night. Jason gets back up, just as Jenny fires up a chainsaw. She swipes at him with the saw, and when he falls, she breaks a chair over his head. She runs out through the woods, and we see her run through the same puddle with the rock in it that the cop and Jason splashed through earlier, so we know she's near his shack. She's headed his direction. She finds the shack, and she's yelling for help. Inside the shack, she sees Jason running towards his little home, and she shrieks. She goes into the back room of the shack and barricades the door, and Jason starts slamming into the door, and we see... Jenny turn around and she sees what made the cop go, oh my God, earlier. Yeah. And it's a shrine that he's made. His mother's head and sweater are in the center of it. There's candles all around it. And next to the shrine are some dead bodies. Are they like his offerings to his mom? Maybe. Is he like, mom, will you come back if I kill people too? Maybe he's trying to assemble her, her a body. Oh, maybe. He's got the head. One of the bodies is like skeletal. And one's Terry. And I think it was kind of poorly lit, but I think the cop man is in the background as well. Oh, that would make sense. So outside the room, Jason picks up a pickaxe and he starts hacking at the door. And Jenny, she formulates a plan. It's a plan, all right. So she puts on Mrs. V's sweater and she attempts to style her hair like the decapitated head's hair. Mm -hmm. And she grabs a knife and she turns around just as Jason comes in and she puts the knife behind her back. Mm hmm. So Jenny goes full psych major mode now. Yeah. And she starts talking to Jason like she's his mom. And she tells him, it's all done, Jason. You've done your job well. And mommy is pleased. And he starts to lower his pickaxe. And she says, there's a good boy. And from Jason's POV, we can see his mother's face overlay over Jenny's in a very cheesy 1960s type of way. Yeah. They did a good job of lining up the eyes, though. They lined up perfectly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him points for that. So now Jenny says, now come to mommy. And Pamela's face comes, becomes more real to Jason. Now Jenny says, mommy has a reward for you. And Jason comes closer. And then he kind of snaps out of his little vision of his mom for a second. Mm -hmm. And he raises the pickaxe and Jenny shouts, Jason, mother is talking to you. And he tips his head like a dog. And we see that he sees Jenny as his mother again. Mm -hmm. And she tells him to come closer and kneel down. And he kneels down in front of her. Ginny raises a machete. And she's going to go for the coup de gras here. Yeah. But she moves slightly. And Jason can see his mom's head behind her. And that snaps him out of his little trance. And he raises the pickaxe just as Jenny lowers her machete. Her weapon glances off of his weapon. And hers goes flying into the corner. So Jason slashes Ginny's leg open with a, like, pretty severely. Mm -hmm. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? It's okay. Because Paul comes to the rescue. Paul shows up again out of nowhere. And he and Jason, they have another wrestling match. And they crash into one of the walls, causing some of the roofing to fall on them. And they go down to the floor. Ginny gets the machete back. Jason picks up his trusty pickaxe, and he's getting ready to do Paul in with it. We go slow motion as Jason and Ginny both raise their weapons. Ginny's behind Jason, and she brings the machete down into his shoulder, cutting him, like, all the way to the collarbone. Yeah. His eye goes very wide in his mask, and he falls back to the floor. 
So while he's laying on the ground, Jenny decides to take off his pillowcase and looks at his face and just says, Jesus. He looks like Jesus? I guess. So Paul carries Jenny back to the camp. They enter her cabin and try to compose themselves. Paul's trying to comfort her. And then they hear a noise from outside and they both grab their weapons. It'd be great if he was like, smells like pee in here. Paul opens the door. But it's just Muffin. Oh, Muffin's alive. Yay. Happy ending. We get soft, serene music playing. It's lulling us into comfort. Ginny relaxes on the bed just as Jason plunges through the window behind her. And then we get to see his jacked up face. He's, got, he's all like super ugly deformed and he has like gnarly metal head hair. But he only has like 18 strands of hair. Yeah. And the way... He flies through that window, like the trajectory of it. It doesn't make sense because it looks like he's coming from above. Yeah. Like, was he standing in a tree outside and just no. dove through the window? Or was he actually shot out of a cannon? Possibly. We get a flash of white and it's morning and Jenny's being put in the back of an ambulance and she's inquiring about Paul. We cut back to Jason's shack and we end with a close-up shot of Mrs. Voorhees' head. That's it. That's it. No explanation on what happened after he dragged Jenny outside. No explanation on what happened to Paul. Yeah. Where did Muffin go? I don't know. I have questions. I do too. I'm sure they'll all be answered in the third. Oh, just wait for the third. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away. But it was Friday the 13th 3D. Oh, yeah. I already saw that. Oh, yeah. It's exciting. So I have a body count of nine. Me too. That's good. We got the same number. Do you want to alternate? Yes. Uh, Alice got an ice pick to the temple. Ralph got garroted. Garroted. Garroted with barbed wire. Uh, the cop, he got a claw with a hammer to the head. Scott got his throat slit. And then Mark got a machete to the face and fell down all of the stairs. <laughs> Terry had something bad happen to her off screen. Yeah. Jeff and Sandra, they were like a two for one. They were. Buy one, get one free. Super stab or speared. Yeah, they were impaled with a spear. And Vicky was stabbed after a five minute wait. <laughs> what are your reactions to this wonderful, wonderful piece of cinema? I said, it's a Friday the 13th movie. There's absolutely no character development. Like, you can't even learn most of their names. I, I'm i really surprised that most of them had names. Yes. There are way too many, many characters to not have, like, a main character. Yeah, I think Jenny was supposed to be the main character. But, but I think she's in the movie less than Vicky is. Yes. The kills were nothing special. There's no plot. Like, literally no plot. Acting's atrocious. It's a fun sleepover movie. Can we have an adult sleepover sometime? Like, seriously, like, just tell our friends, like, we're going to clear out some space in the living room. We'll throw some mattresses on the floor. Yeah. We're going to pop popcorn. We're going to order pizza. We're going to watch horror movies. We're going to drink beer. You'd have to do it in the basement because that's like where you would have your slumber parties. We can do it in the basement. Yeah. I know what we're doing for your birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so my reactions to this movie are 
it's actually not as bad as I gave it credit for. Really? Um, in the beginning of the episode, and like before I watched it, I was like, I'm probably going to give this a two. Yeah. It's not good. It's a lot better than I thought it was. Okay. Um, it follows the standard Friday the 13th tropes of introduce characters, don't give them development, have them behave badly, and kill them. I really liked the Mark kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Jenny as the survivor girl and the shot of her sitting on the bed holding the pitchfork out in front of her. Yeah. Like that is badass mm-hmm. final girl energy. I also like that she was a different type of final girl. She was like, I'm going to use my brain to get through this. Yeah. Instead of just running. I'm going to use my psychology classes. Yeah. Because oh. she. She practiced using them on Paul. It's so ultra 80s. So, yeah, that's all I had to say. All right. You want to go through some production facts? Let's do it. Uh, Jason likely has Proteus, Proteus syndrome. It's um, a rare genetic order disorder that Joseph Merrick also had, and he is known as the Elephant Man. Ah. Uh, Tom Savini and Stan Winston were both asked to do special makeup effects, but they had to turn down the job due to scheduling conflicts. Oh. Alice and Crazy Ralph are never mentioned by name. Oh. I didn't realize that. Adrian King, who played Alice, was injured making this movie when the retractable ice pick she was stabbed with didn't retract. That's not good. So the stunt person just jammed her in the head with it 48 seconds were cut from this to avoid an x rating that's pretty intense i i don't know what for and maybe those 48 seconds were real bad they, they must have been maybe those 48 seconds were the fact that they did full frontal nude scenes with a 16 year old actor maybe yeah uh marta cober who played sandra in the movie lied about her age to get the job. She was only 16, and she had a full frontal nude scene. Yeah. They had to cut that out. Yeah. Um, That's all I had. Uh, Originally, the ending, it was supposed to end with Mrs. Voorhees' eyes opening and her smiling. Oh, that'd be like the end of Freddy versus Jason. But Minor ultimately decided that it would just be too silly. Yeah, that would have been silly. Which... Yeah, but when I was watching it, I kept waiting for that to happen, and I didn't know that that was originally what was going to happen. I was like, her eyes are going to open, and she's going to smile at us. Which would have been a very uh, Return of the Living Dead ending. It would have been awful. I'm glad they kept it how it is. Any more facts? That's all I got. You got goofs? I have one. I only noticed one in this movie. I, I got one. Scott shoots Terry with his slingshot, and we can clearly see that the rock hits her in the right butt cheek. Uh Uh-huh. But she is such a good actor that she grabbed the left butt cheek when she turned around. Oh, that's good. That's funny because Terry's also on my goof. <laughs> um, Terry was a goof. So when she's going skinny dipping, when she's undressing, her hair's obviously dry. Mm-hmm. And then they cut away for a second and then they show her getting back, like going into the water for the first time. And her hair's wet. She hasn't been in the water yet, but her hair's wet. Do you think part of that 48 seconds they cut out was her getting water in her hands and slicking her hair back? No. Oh, okay. Who are you? This is the first time I've done this. Okay. I comboed us together. You did? In a who are you. Okay. 
together, Mandy and I are Sandra and Jeff. Neither one of us really match up with the characters, but together we are that couple. We don't want to hang out with the other people in the group. We're going to go see some true crime and horror shit that's off limits. And then during the party, we're going to bail and go hang out by ourselves. Yeah. I like that. So we are Sandra and Jeff. Okay. I put that you're Ted. Not because he's like goofy and like all that. I just said, you're going to miss the whole thing by hanging out at the bar. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, don't clear those away. That's how I'm keeping count. Yes. Eleventy. Like, <laughs> like my fanny pack full of um, bottle, beer, caps. bottle caps that night. Yeah. Um, I put that I'm Terry because I love my dog and I'm always wearing booty shorts and have my tits almost hanging out all the time. It's true. You do. Yeah. And that's what I appreciate about you. Not really at all. <laughs> so final thoughts, ratings? Would you rate it? This is going to surprise you. Okay. I gave it a five. What? Like, I went into this movie being like, God, it's so terrible. It's so bad. But as far as, like, a 1980s slasher movie goes, like, this is really pretty good. Oh. And other than the acting, I couldn't really find a lot to, like, talk bad about. Yeah. Um, I said at the end of the day, it's just another Friday movie. It's nothing great, but it's nothing horrible mm-hmm. um, besides the acting and off-screen kills and the lack of resolution in the plot there are some scenes that are so dark you can't really tell what's happening mm-hmm. which i took a full point off for that yes uh the pacing wasn't bad though i thought it kept up at a pretty good clip yeah i thought we got enough time with each character before they were killed they mm-hmm. didn't develop them at all no but we did get time with them yeah and i really liked the suspense building I feel like I don't feel like there was any suspense. Like when he's stalking around the camp and just watching people through windows and watching people from the woods and you're just like, oh, he's right there and they don't even know it. You know? Yeah. It was suspenseful. Um, I really could have done without deformed metalhead backwoods Jason being unmasked. Yeah. Like just keep the flower sack on his head. Just keep the pillowcase on his head. And the ending sucks. So many testicles. Yeah. Not in a pleasant way. No. I rated it at a two. I can see why. That's it, what I thought I was going to rate yeah, it. Yeah. The Friday movies just like aren't my thing. I think this movie has a lot of plot holes. I don't care about any of the characters. Wait, this movie has a plot? Yeah. Oh. The movie's a plot hole. And then I did also note that um, a lot of the movie, especially in the woods, is too dark to even see what's going on. Yeah. When Jenny's running like the whole final chase scene you can't see anything like what's happening i don't know and that's me watching it at night in the dark yeah i liked jeff's truck (laughs) and that's about it from this movie you gave it a two Two. i gave it a five that gives us a 3.5 which is i think about where i thought it would land yeah that's not bad i thought it'd be in that three to four range Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that's pretty good uh, I have exciting news. I haven't told you yet. I wanted to tell you on the pod. Oh, my gosh. Mandy, I'm pregnant. Whoa. I hope not. No, I'm not. Um, We're on Blue Sky. Okay. What's Blue Sky? It's like Twitter, but not for alt-right dickheads. Oh. it's some. I, I think it's somebody who used to work at Twitter. Like, maybe a former CEO started it. Okay. And they're like, hey, Twitter sucks now, so we're going to start our own thing. Kind of like that, because it used to be a blue little bird. Yeah. And it's Blue Sky. Okay. So, yeah, we finally got an invite code, and on there, we are Franchise Frights Pod. Okay. No, F Frights Pod. I'm so sorry. 
Blue Sky F Frights Pod. F Frights Pod. So you can find us on Facebook at Franchise Frights Pod, on Instagram at Franchise Frights Pod, on Twitter or X, I guess now it's just called X, F Frights Pod, on Snapchat at F Frights Pod, and Blue Sky. And in Blue Sky. F Frights Pod. F Frights Pod. You can also check out our website, www.franchisefrightspodcast.com. And you can find the wonderful human being who did our logo for us at Aunt Molly's Magic on Instagram. Shout out to Molly. She just got an article written about her at the Times Republican. Awesome. Yes. She's a good dude. Yeah. So everybody do the like, share, rate, review, subscribe, download on every available app and listen to every episode 20 times. Be cool. Um, or just in. like tell your friends to listen. Yes. Tw- tell 20 friends to listen. Tell 20 friends to listen. I love that. Yes. So tune in next Thursday where we're going to bring you Saw 2. Oh, boy. I think Mandy really enjoyed watching it. Yep. Until then. Remember, remember they, they always come back. back. Oh, none of that recorded. Are you serious? No, I'm just fucking with you. Shit, sucker.